Welcome to today's episode of Unbiasedly Speaking with your host, Tracy Spears, and her guest, Meredith Baxter. We're going to dive right into their conversation. You have to go for six times and, you know, then decide if you want to go or not. Because when she told me in the beginning to go to Al-Anon, I was like, I don't get it. I mean, like, you know, what, what, I, I, I'm not, I don't understand the approach. She's like, just go. So I went the first time. And I was like, wow, these people have a lot of problems. <laughs> and, a, and a humorless bunch. <laughs> That's true. It, that is true. That's very true. So anyway, after the sixth time, I went, oh, wait a minute. I think it's me. Oh, we all knew it was you. <laughs> <laughs> Do you go to Al-Anon? Um, no, you know, I did early on. But um, what I, I went to uh, AA Al-Anon meetings. And... It wasn't fun because, first of all, as I said, they are a very glum lot. You know, there was no sense of humor. They were always pointing their fingers at the alcoholics. And I'm going, hey, I'm over it. Why aren't you? Um, and so they, they didn't like me. And they didn't like us acknowledge saying that we were alcoholics because we were the thorns in their side. So I, I find it, it, but I did seek out Al-Anon itself, straight Al-Anon meetings when I was getting out of the, the last marriage because uh, he was the guy I was married to was, um, was a, he was using and um, it I, I didn't know how to get him out of the house because um, I, I just I didn't feel like I was entitled like he had such a sense of entitlement and that's what I never had in all my life a sense of entitlement um, which made me go oh okay yeah I'll I'll get married. It was wonderful, wonderful way to marry someone. And so they said, go there and they will give you the pins that you need to make these choices. And I went and heard them not laughing at all, went back and saw a guy that I knew from the AA program. I collared him outside and he had known this guy that I was married to. He'd known him when we were both brand new. I told him what was going on and he said, move him out. Oh, nice. You have permission, move him out. And it was like, I I knew I, I, anyway, it's what I had to hear. So I got his car. I was so codependent that I was not able to get, I, I, if I bought myself a new car, I had to buy him a new car because I could not have something newer than him. He wasn't saying this, I was. Right, right. I, you know, it was, it was just such, I couldn't, I felt shame if I had something more than him. And so he just went, all right. And I bought two two-bedroom Mercedes. They're just ridiculously expensive. So anyway, I got his Mercedes. I pulled it up and I, well, he was in rehab because I had to take him down to rehab in, in uh, La Jolla. And I pushed, I had it open, I locked the doors, but I piled all his clothes in through the open sunroof. <laughs> so everything of his all down in there. And um, then closed the sunroof and he had, I, I guess I left the key for him somewhere because when he, while he was down in rehab, I, I called him and I said, so who are you getting sober with down there? And he said, lightweights. Ooh. Oh. Wow. So I said, are you staying? And he said, are you going to be here when I come back? I said, no. He said, I'm out of here. So, so he was so always dying. So he was just going to do that to save the marriage. Not for the real. But there was nothing to say. Yeah. And you know why? And I'm going to bring back something that I heard from 
I'm not sure if you said it, is that there was some issue at some point about leaving someone or having issues with someone. And you said that, that she said that she decided to love your core. Mm. Isn't that brilliant? It is because I could look at the different, the problem in all of my previous marriage. I never even liked their core. That was never a part of the equation. It was like, is this going to hold me up? Is this going to put pontoons under me so I'm not going to drown? It had nothing to do with anything more than that. Saved my life. Mm. So I did it. Gosh. So when you say you like, you never felt the entitlement piece of all of that, like the codependent part. I don't think a lot of people know about the codependent piece and how codependent mm -hmm. we all are or most people are in some way and the damage of that so in, in all way or only in your relationship uh, in relationships i have this mm -hmm. weird very strong line that it's in relationships but in business uh, i i don't know why that happened i don't know why the of course i'm sitting here now with a little self-awareness thinking <laughs> i think that's how it is <laughs> well, you know i i identify with that um, because I don't have any voices, well, too many voices in my head about the work when, you know, in when working. Um, for the most part, I can say, okay, that was a good job or could have done better there. Should have known that better. That was the wrong move. Hmm, aced that. Okay. And so I feel I'm pretty objective about that. But at home, I will know that as soon as I think Nancy's upset about something, it's like, huh? And I realize. I take her on her anxiety and I want to fix it. I don't want to be the target because that's, you know, my history of, of being blamed for it. And she, she never blames me for it, but that's always where I go. You know, we're just such a creature of where we came from. It's, it's kind of sad. Just something that came up in my meeting this morning that someone said the comparison is the thief of joy. Oh, that's good. Hmm, that's true. I work with someone who calls it the land of Ur when you get into she's prettier, she's smarter, she's oh. Carol Seymour is is somebody I work with and she talks a lot about that, but I hadn't thought about it in those terms. I was trying to think about what steals my joy. That was just thinking, is it the comparison? It's probably it's probably that and just an unrealistic expectation that I have. And I don't know where that comes from. I mean, I do, but I don't, you know. I don't know. What takes you out of joy? Is it is it the worry? Um, if I make something about me, you know, if I tell myself that Nancy's having some issue and somehow it reflects on me, or I'm supposed to fix this in some way, and I just don't know what it is. What is she expecting? I I want I want to be told. I I kind of want to be told what to do if a situation comes up because um, sometimes. Uh, we're, we're at a point where I find myself in the middle between wanting to take care of Nancy or taking care of something else, which is very often my children, when my children are here. Um, and she doesn't ask me to do it, but I, I feel that I need to. And I, I work myself into a fucking lather. Yeah. And, um, and she can see it and the kids can see it and they don't know what's going on. And, I'm trying to keep the plates twirling and so it's so everyone's okay and it's just ridiculous. It's wonderful when we can talk about that afterwards or she will take me aside because I'm always the last to know. 
I'm just sweating it out. I'm so in it. I'm like that tile in a mosaic. I have no idea what's going on around me, but I'm trying to keep it all glued to the wall. Rosemary does that with her kids too. Like we have that same experience. And, wow. and I want to have my own experience with her children. I adore them both. They're, uh, they're amazing in their own right. And I don't want to have a relationship because of her. I want to have a relationship with them, right? Not that's, that's mm. not separate from her, but I want to have my own experience. So when she pushes or is wanting it to be more than it is, I, I think we all feel it. And we all are like, nah, we're not going to, you know, no, we don't want to do that. Like we, I think we, but on our own, we do okay. I don't, so that must be just a mom thing. I don't know. Oh, I, I think it is a mom thing. And also, um, you know, I have all these other relationships that I had been in um, where my kids would see me in them and they just go, uh, you know, because I put us in terrible situations. Terrible. And um, I know they're all looking, you know, for, for a long time, they were always looking to see you get hurt here? What's going on? What are they doing? What's, what's his agenda? And they were right to ask because I got involved with people who, yes, you, you question that. Any sane person would question that. But, but ultimately, it was, his mom going to be okay? His mom going to be okay? Mm -hmm. And they, they much prefer Nancy to me now. <laughs> you know, so, so we're all okay on that score. So that's, that's wonderful to see. Um, but I just, I, you know, I just want everyone to be okay. Crazy, but that's why I went. Yeah. So even when you say I was, your picker was broken clearly until Nancy. So yeah. um, what, what drove that? What do you think? Well, then, I, you know, I'm just going to tell you a story. Okay. Um, I don't want it to be too long here. Um, but it is that uh, uh, I didn't want, when Nancy and I started going, we were, we didn't even sleep together for like five weeks, which was all Amazing That's in our lifetime. <laughs> yeah. So, oh my God, you're a monk or something. But it was basically because I was so self-protective and terribly controlling. Poor baby, she had no idea. I would not let her have any idea how I felt. Because I had no idea how I felt because I was in just self-protection mode. And so in, at one point, you know, I, she, she wanted to spend, she was going to spend the night once. And she said, would you mind if I, if I left a pair of sweatpants here, just in, on the shelf or something? And I said, I don't have any room. <laughs> no, I, I, I did have a five bedroom house, but no room for her sweatpants. I mean, really. I didn't want her to get a foothold in because that's how I lost, that's how I lost my way before. You know, so, and the poor baby that, I had six shooters on all the time. She said she'd tell her friends that oh, we have a good time when we're together, but I don't get a sense that she ever thinks about me. And that's the thing I wanted her. I don't want you to have any expectation to think you know what's going on at all because you're not going to know. Mm -hmm. it, it just, um, and then we broke up because um, I can't, it doesn't, I don't remember why we broke up. But we both felt abandoned in, in some part of our relationship. And, uh, you know, we, I think I told you, we both were going to the same therapist. And that's how we met, because uh, I was sober and Nancy was investigating sobriety. 
And so uh, Sarah knew to give my number to people who were interested in going sober. So uh, Nancy called and we had had some conversations. And so that was, um, so, so I knew more about her basically for, because in my position of power, I got all sorts of information about her and offered her nothing, which is, which is kind of how you do it in early sobriety. Because what, where I am, it makes no difference. I, I need to know who you are and how to best approach you. Anyway, so I had that kind of uh, information around about her, um, but she didn't know anything about me, really. So the stuff that, she, that not, and I was keeping her so at bay so that I would be safe. And when we broke up, we were broken up for a week. And um, during that time, we both went to see Sarah individually. And Sarah told me, she said, I saw Nancy yesterday and I'm going to ask you the same question I asked her. What kind of relationship do you want? Do you want a, a social relationship um, that's close where you talk and where, um, where, where, you know, you go to movies and you hang out or do you want a, uh, a spiritual experience you to grow close and to grow together mutually? And I said, oh, I want a movie guy. That sounds just perfect for me. And she said, oh, Nancy says she wants a spiritual relationship. And when she told me that, it's like every resistance I had to her left. I was like, okay, okay, I'm in. I didn't even know what I was in for. I don't even know what I was saying okay to. But I wanted a woman who wanted that with me. That's what changed everything. Mm. When I when I first started seeing Sarah after I got had, gotten out of my last relationship, she had said, well, what is it you look for in a man? I went, oh. Oh, hair. He's got to have hair. I was sincere. I didn't know that I could look for anything and judge someone based on that. You know, if they liked me, I was ahead of the game right there. Okay. You know, I didn't, she said, what about warmth, congeniality, love, affection, kindness, generosity, industry, love, any of this? Never fucking occurred to me. Hmm. This was the first time that I heard qualities that appealed to me. And I thought, this is a game changer. This is right. And it felt right altogether. And um, I love that uh, Sarah used to say, you two are Bashart, which is a Jewish term means made for each other. Mm. It was inevitable. So, and I think that's true. What a beautiful story. That's, it's, there's some surprising parts of your story. Not, nothing about who Nancy is. None of that is surprising. But just where you were in your own life at that, yeah. at that point. I just feel like I want to like take a deep breath for you, though. Just that was it just that moment where you just went oh everything's kind of the way it's supposed to be was it was um, it instant after that it was i changed totally at that point and i watched myself do it i called nancy after that and said um, we were supposed to go to a reunion i mean a, um, a sober retreat together i said let's go let's go to this retreat and okay, we've been apart for a week and it was kind of fractious, but 
I was working my way through this and I was going to take her with me. It was just going to be okay. And we were supposed to go back east to my son's uh, 30th, no, his 35th birthday. And we were going to go back and we went paintballing. And she was terrified. The fact that she went with me was such a, a, a moment of faith in her that she said yes. Because uh, I was, I had a fire lit under me and I knew it was, I knew it was right and it was going to happen. And um, I had enough faith in her because she, nothing she had ever said or done get, led me to think that this was not a good place to be. And I used to see that, all, that's one of the reasons I was so strict. I, was, I would ask myself, what am I not seeing? Mm-hmm. What am I not seeing that's dangerous here that I know is going on, but I'm not paying attention to? Because that's what happened all the time. Sure. You know, I, I, I detested the man I married and I, cause I'd seen so many things that he had said and done that I, I chose not to look at because I need to not know that about you. And so that's how I functioned. And I was not going to do that again, but I didn't, you know, as soon as I heard that, I, I didn't even know what it meant. Yeah. A spiritual experience. And I said, yes, anyway. Cause it just sounded right. You know, <laughs> it sounds like something you want to do. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, yeah, it does. I think, I think for for with Rosemary, what I my spiritual experience was, I'll liken it to feeling safe for the first time. Like I felt mm-hmm. finally that I was safe, and I had never felt safe before. I I I was always looking for what was wrong, like you were, and I was lo- mm-hmm. looking for a reason to leave. I was looking for, um, you know, what could possibly go wrong. I just, I don't know. But, and with her, I did that for a couple of years. I was, I was in and out of, an, you mm-hmm. know, I was seeing someone else and not. And, um, but I'd never been with somebody that said, oh, I'm staying. No matter what, I'm staying. And that was her. So she, so she was able to, you know, let me kind of do you did, it took you, you were a quicker study than I was. It took me much longer, uh, but I, I'm so grateful. But I was much older. Mm, well, I don't know about that. You Listen, you had like, and I do know this about you because I watched you on Oprah. Like when all of that happened, I could not believe how brave you were. And Nancy, now that I know Nancy, that was probably very, very difficult for her. No? Yeah. yeah. Yes, it was. Yeah, to, and, and to all of a sudden uh, have all this attention on you, uh, it's, it's, it's scary uh, if you're not used to it. You know, I have been doing it for years, and so it was not that new to me, having the attention, having a, that kind of attention, because I can do it if it's work-connected. Easy, easy peasy, no problem at all. If it's about me personally, it's excruciating. And so Nancy had no prior... Um, trials of this. This was all brand new. Why did you feel the need to do that? And thank you, by the way, just as a lesbian, that, that you gave a lot of hope to a lot of us, and you know that. We've talked about that, but why, why did you? Nancy, because uh, what Nancy, and the stuff that Suzanne had said to me on that, which we talked about, all the stuff that happened before um, the, the, the Today Show interview and all that, um, what Nancy said was so powerful that if she, it would have meant the world to her. If as a young, and she didn't come out till she was 20, I think. Um, but to see someone that she recognized or some known person 
who was, it was just moved you forward in the game immediately, that no one's going to take you out so quickly because that you have some kind of track record in the public eye. And so they go, oh, so you're not some total non-entity, whatever, that we can judge and toss away. They couldn't quite, because there was some kind of established relationship there already. Right. Um, but, but to have themselves validated in that sense. And, and I, I, didn't ha I didn't know that until she told me. Not how, you know, because I didn't come out till I was, what was it, 55? <laughs> oh, I'm such a stupid idiot. You know, you, say, you can't help but judge just a little to say, what was wrong? What, what weren't you looking at? <laughs> you know you share that with my wife. She was 55, so just, oh. man, 50, 53 maybe. You said something to us though, or you said it to me, and I told her about it, and it's changed us completely. And it was when we got married, and I was telling you that, you know, I was still, and I still am super nervous to stand in front of an audience and talk about mm -hmm. being a lesbian or, you know, all of that. And I think I shared with you one time I did something in Reno, not, it, it's when we first, you and I first started visiting, and, uh, you know, I was just literally shaking, knees knocking, you know, maybe, I don't know how many, three, 500 people in the audience. And I actually said on the stage, I'm, I now think you aren't going to like me because I just told you, right? Like I was, <laughs> <laughs> but you said, oh my gosh, Tracy, you have to call her your wife because you're making a political statement. And I was completely not doing that. I was like, you know, uh, somebody I'm seeing, you know, I was really, you know, dancing mm -hmm. around it. And I even have like one of my really good friends, um, one of my best friends, her name's Cindy, I'll give, give her the credit here. And she's like, why are you calling her your wife? Like, that just seems weird. And I'm like, that's why I'm doing it because it seems yeah. weird. Like we, we have to have our voice. So I'm gonna say thank you for that. It was, it was a game changer for me. Thank you. And I'll tell you, every time I do it and we're in company, I'm always aware, that sounds weird. Yeah. I don't, but I don't care. And here is the wild thing. Now, it was pretty accepting down in LA, pretty accepting. Since we've been in Santa Barbara, and who would have thought that this was a more liberal place? Whenever I've said, oh, my wife and I, or I'm gonna talk to my wife before I make a decision, and I watch their eyes, I've never seen a flicker, a flicker of anything no reaction the most i heard was someone oh you have one of those okay and i and i loved that I thought, that's that's fine you're you, you i understand surprise i understand confusion it's it's the judgment that i i want to jump on as soon as i see it but i i have not seen it here that's one of the traits i despise is judgment oh but yeah well, as you know, I live in this in Tulsa, and we do have a little blue bubble here, believe it or not. You, you've mm. seen both sides of it, by the way, when you were here. Yes, yes. I think I did. <laughs> well, when you, when you come back, we'll take you to the other, uh, the real blue bubble, not the one. Okay. Yeah. But uh, today, even, it happened this morning. Somebody sent an email to me. We're sponsoring something at the Philbrook Museum here. And, the, and Susie, who was connecting me and Rosemary to somebody else about this, this thing we're sponsoring. 
and she entered, she said, this is Tracy and her wife, Rosemary. And like, I saw it in print. I was like, oh my gosh, that's pretty cool that she felt that that was noteworthy enough to introduce us to someone else. So anyway, so I don't know. I think people are changing, but, but I'm also, as you and I talk about many times, this climate allows the people that aren't compassionate or aren't as uh, open-minded to have a big voice right now. And boy, that makes it hard. So. Yeah. So that's why it's all the more important by trying to think we're educating them. Yeah. We're just giving them a little education to let them know that there's, see, this is what it looks like. Nothing to be afraid of here. Yeah. yeah. Mm. So that's, I know I'm, I'm really happy for you that you're doing this and healing. However you feel about it. <laughs> Listen, uh, I'm happy for you. I'm happy that you like it, the fear that should have been with you to, to do the coming. Did you, were you surprised by the response? Did you get, was it a, um, all good response? Were there pockets? No, lots of, okay. lots of stuff, lots of, um, emails, uh, or especially the, you know, if you do an interview, you never read the comments afterwards. And of course I did because I'm looking for approval. Love me, love me, you know? And they were saying, oh, they just, she's just doing this to try to enhance her career. It was like, I should have thought of this sooner. <laughs> what was wrong with me that I didn't know that this was a career move? Foolish. Anything um, but just, oh, these, she's so old. I would anyone, you know, just the ugliest, meanest, nastiest things that people say. That's what, you know, and then, and here's what I try to think. Anyone who has to do that must be so unhappy with themselves. I just can't help but think that there's no happy life going on in someone who has to spend their time writing ugly things about people they don't know or have any investment in. So. I agree. My, it's ha feeling a little superior helps. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I, I live by everybody's doing the best they can, but in that, you know, it just makes me feel better. But boy, in that situation, I'm like, I know you can do better. <laughs> like, you know, I want people to be bigger, but it is what it is. Oh, that's where Melania comes in. Be best. You want to talk about, talk about that? What's no, there's nothing to even say. Where's Pete? You're a big Buttigieg fan, and because of you, he's working for he's working for the Biden campaign. Okay, and I expect he's going to have a, a figure in the cabinet. And tomorrow evening, I'm going to do something I haven't done yet. I knew I I plan to get involved, and I have not gotten involved yet. I'm having a um, uh, a training session for how to call people and get out the vote. Really? So yeah. Who all, who all, is this an open for everybody or do you have like? This is uh, targeted at California, but you can go online and uh, I think it's 20, vote 2020. Maybe oh, that's yes. what it's called. Yes, yes. Do, you, do you get all these things that go around? Well, I probably don't get as much as you do, but I get all I want and I, but we're open to helping uh, however we can. Well, I tell you, I, I get so much of this stuff because I signed up for you know, I have uh, BuzzFeed, I have um, uh, Daily Beast, I get Washington Post, CNN, um, New York Times, LA Times. It's like, I am inundated with shit. That's a, I, I just, yeah. 
well, that's what I miss many good emails and people going, you never respond to me. And I'm going, I haven't found it yet. You know, I, I just, just to get through it. And I want to be responsible and not just throw out all the stuff, but try to pick and choose. So it's, but anyway, I'm, I finally found the one that I'm going to, and I, not because I've discerned something about this group. I finally just said, okay, fuck, I'll do it. All right. And forgive me that I'm swearing a lot. I hope that's probably okay. to cut those out. My audience will okay. love Hey, uh, what, have you always been politically active? I mean, I've, I, we've marched I mean, together I in LA. I mean, is, and that was my first march, by the way, ever. I don't know if you even knew that, but. No. Yeah. I didn't know. I'm late to the game. Well, hey, it's, you're here. That's all that matters. But I'm in the game, yes. You're in the game. Um, I, I, do you know, I, when I was 13, I was in the March on Washington because my stepfather was a uh, power to the people, gold pin on his lapel, a Jewish man who's a movie, uh, a theater agent, a movie agent. And um, so he had a lot of actors that he would kind of pull the strings and get them involved in political things. So he, they, they were the fronts and he stood back and made a lot of decisions. In many ways, he was not a good man. In many, he gave me my read, he made me a reader, he made me, he gave me my politics and he guided us and um, he worked with the Hollywood 10. He kept him as employed as he possibly could. Um, he was very liberal and very active. And so he got us to March on Washington and he tells me, and I don't, he, he lied a lot, I think so, I don't know whether uh, to believe him, that I was holding hands with Sammy Davis Jr. and Harry Belafonte. It's a nice image, this little, what, 16 year old girl, 16, 13. Um, um, Oh my I didn't have any sin. I had no sense of what I was involved in though. But I think my mother spoke and because Jack could get her that position. So that was always in the air of uh, civil rights. You know, who knows what I would ever have arrived at on my own. I would never have been a Republican, I don't think. Well, I'm sad to say I was for a little while, but we don't have to talk about I didn't about know that. that. I know. I, I, don't, I don't need to know that. I know. Our friend is our friend <laughs> in jeopardy. <laughs> well, growing up here, like you know, when you're not thinking for yourself at some point, uh, and as somebody said recently, it's mind-boggling the people that vote against their own self-interest, right? And that's all I, that's the only soundbite that I can think of now, which is true. Kathy well, Taylor was our mayor here in Tulsa for a while. She was someone who said that? Yeah, we were having a conversation and we were talking oh. about everything that's going on and she said that and I thought, you know, that's true. I mean, I, I think for me, I, it was just all the fear. Uh, oh, that's not going to define me. I'm more of a capitalist. I was a business owner. I was trying, you know, so I hid behind that and thought, you know, I can, I can do both and that's not that big a deal and I compartmentalized it. And now I look back on that and I think, I wish I was braver earlier. You know, mm -hmm. I do. So that's, that's a big regret that I have because I was just way too quiet for way too long. I know you're going to take me off the hook and say that I am now, but still, gosh. Oh, it, it doesn't matter. You know, if we get there, when we get there. And I didn't come from any informed integrity. I came because this is what my parents did. All right, I'll do that too. And I, it just happened to speak to me. This is a question I do have for you. And I thought about it. What's, what's the one thing yet that you have not accomplished that's on your list? If it, and, and it could be anything, not just professionally or personally, either one. What's the big thing? Here's a problem. I'm not, I'm not professionally ambitious. 
So most of my wishes would be um, internal, emotional. Um, if uh, I would like to be free of, and I am to a huge degree, but still the, the, the emotional hangover from my childhood. Mm. I have a lot of that shit just, you know, it'll be gone, it'll be gone, it'll be gone, I'll be fine. And then it just leaps and slaps me in the face and it's like, whoa. Mm. Regardless of why or what, the fact that that's something you have yet to do completely, I guess. Well, I have to say, I've been working on it in my entire, for 30 years. I've been working on this for 30 years. Do you think it's forgiveness? Do you think it's just being able to forgive what happened? No, I actually don't. Because I think, I think I have done that. Because I've done a lot of work in saying, who is she? What, where did she come from? How was she parented? What did she want that she did not get? What, what kind of parenting did she have that she... What happened in her, her life that arrived, made her arrive at the point of looking at her children going, what, what, I, I, and, and denying us, not letting anyone know that we're around. No, you couldn't call them on uh, somewhere else. And I think she wanted what she wanted so badly. And we were impediments to that. And so she was choosing that. And I don't think she had any sense of how that impacted us. I don't think she was trying to hurt us. It's just we were, it was just fallout of what needed to happen. And I think I think she had a lot of regret about it. So so listen, you're the reluctant podcaster. So I, I'm gonna say this. <laughs> I'm just gonna say thank you for doing it. Um, I don't know. I just think that, you know, there's you just always say something as I we started this that will make me think. There's a lot of things you said that I'm going to think about. I'm just going to say thank you. Thank you so much, Tracy. I love talking to you. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Unbiasedly Speaking. If you'd like to get involved in the election, log on to whenweallvote.org.